Hey, it's Ivan. We're back. Interesting little podcast we got for you today. We got Harley Davidson recall notification, a recall notification. I've got shipping containers out in the ocean in Port of Los Angeles. I'm going to tell you why these ships are out there waiting to come to port. Supply chain. What does it mean for the motorcycle community? And then some. What's happening to the new Dodge Hellcat? Are V8s going to be a thing of the past? We'll talk about that and more right here on the podcast. Keep listening. If you blinked, you missed it. All the way from Animal House Studios in the chilly Hudson Valley, you're listening to The Cycle Shack Podcast. Hey, it's Saturday, November 27th. Happy Thanksgiving, a happy belated Thanksgiving to all who have been feasting on leftovers. To all my listeners, I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Um, This holiday was a spectacular holiday. I want to give a hats off to my beautiful wife who outdid herself this Thanksgiving and gave us plenty to eat, drink, and be merry for definitely this Thanksgiving. She cooked a wonderful meal. We had, uh, again, we're a Puerto Rican household, so you got to have that penil, that roast pork, right? We also had to have that, the legendary coquito, which is our famous coconut rum uh, uh, eggnog, so to speak. It's like a coconut-flavored eggnog. I don't use rum. Uh, we like, I mean, I'm a vodka, uh, well, not vodka. We use vodka for this one. I'm a, I'm a whiskey bourbon drinker myself, but for the most part, I like vodka. I'm not a fan of rum, so we don't use rum, but nonetheless, man, we ate like champs and felt great about it. Uh, so we got a small show for you today. I wanted to jump on, got some notes that I put together. So I want to, to bring it all together and, uh, Got an interesting little show for you today. So, before we start, contact the show at the Cycle Shack Podcast at gmail.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Give me show content. Send me pictures of your motorcycles or tell me anything you want to talk about and we'll shout you out there. That's again, the Cycle Shack Podcast at gmail.com or check out the Facebook page of the show at the Cycle Shack Podcast. Very special thank you to our sponsors, Anchor.fm. If you have not signed up to Anchor.fm, you heard the commercial before the podcast. What are you waiting for? It's fast, free, and easy. If you're a content creator or you just like listening to podcasts, join Anchor.fm. Come on, what are you waiting for? Another special mention and thank you to Stream Beats by Harris Heller for the creation of this music. Harris Heller has created uh, uh, uh i have on the show notes the link to his youtube page and stream beats harris heller is a content creator uh what could i say he's a streamer he has a show on youtube he gives reviews on products he's in the music industry so check him out i'm giving him a special shout out because he has stepped up and created beats for people like myself who create contact content and want 
some kind of audio, some kind of music to like this show intro was done for free by Harris Heller. And he put it out there and say, hey, it's for all content, all content creators. Use it. Don't worry about lawsuits. It's for you, man. Take it. So thanks again for people like that who were doing that. And I decided to go with Harris Heller. Uh, my son put me on to him. Check him out. Stream Beats by Harris Heller on YouTube. Check out Stream Beats on YouTube by Harris Heller. So I'm going to dive right into one of the first things I wanted to talk about was I got a notification from Harley Davidson on a recall. I haven't had a recall in a long time, and this one is not pertaining to any bike that I currently own, but a bike that I owned. Um, I guess Harley still thinks that I own my 2008 uh, Ultra Glide. Um, I had the what I called the Golden Eagle, the Golden Anniversary Edition 2008 Ultra Glide, uh, Electric Glide Ultra, whatever it was called, and. Um, yeah, so let me just go ahead and read it. Dear Harley Davidson motorcycle owner, our records indicate that you purchased or owned or currently owned a 2008, 2009, or 2010 Harley Davidson touring or CVO touring motorcycle equipped with an anti lock braking system. Here and after the motorcycle or your motorcycle. You may be entitled to partial reimbursement if you've paid an authorized dealer for the repair of an ABS malfunction with your motorcycles caused by a break in the wire that connects the front wheel speed sensor to the ABS module. Please read the important details below. What's the issue? Under some rare circumstances, the wire connecting the front wheel speed sensor to the ABS module could break. If this occurs, ABS lamp will illuminate and remain illuminated continuously for the entire ride to alert you that the ABS has been disabled, but that the standard foundational brakes may remain fully operational. Please know, however, that the ABS lamp will begin to flash at key on and stop flashing when the motorcycle reaches a speed of three miles per hour. This indicates that the system is operating normally. See your owner's manual for details. What should you do <laughs> if you have previously paid an authorized Harley-Davidson dealer for the repair of an ABS malfunction with your motorcycle caused by a break in the wire connecting the front wheel speed sensor to the ABS module, you may be entitled to partial reimbursement as described in the next section. So you know what? I'm not going to go ahead and read the rest of the BS on this, but Harley's kind of owning up to this. And they're going to give you partial reimbursement for whatever you paid for it. For more information, you can call Harley Davidson Motor Company at 414-343-4056. 414-343-4056. Or you can get on HarleyDavidson.com and go from there. And again... Well, let me read this. Claims for partial reimbursement. If you have paid an unauthorized dealer to repair the ABS malfunction caused by the break in the wire connection on the front wheel speed sensor connected to the ABS module, and if your motorcycle had fewer than 100,000 miles on the odometer at the time of the repair, you may submit a claim for the partial reimbursement. Okay. So I just wanted to share that with everybody. Any recalls that I normally get, I normally just put them out there 
And, uh, yeah. Just want to throw it out there to you. I got to say that uh, I was listening to a you know, another podcast, a video podcast, and it was Ryan Erlocker, um, law-abiding biker. Had a, an interesting topic, uh, Indian versus Harley Davidson, so to speak. And the one thing that he did make mention that makes a whole lot of sense that people fail to realize, and I wanted to reiterate it here, was that people are comparing the Indian challenger with Harley, but they're not doing the apples to apples, so to speak. Last podcast, I went and dove into uh, Indian coming out with their new bagger to complete with the street glide. Uh, the challenger obviously competes with the road glide, right? And you've got to take mention that you've got to compare apples to apples. A lot of people are saying Indian's better, Harley's better. Before you do that, compare it with the, do the right model comparisons. You know what I'm saying? Compare the challenger to its equal to, and what I mean by equal to is from accessories, not so much accessories, but what it's equipped with, right? Uh, the bike that Indian's making right now is to compete with the Street Glide Special. Okay? The Challenger should be compared to, I'm assuming, the Road Glide Special. If you do it with a road CVO Road Glide, well, it's got a few extras that might make it slightly, I don't know, better than the Indian. Just make sure you give it the apples-to-apples apples comparison. That's all I'm saying. A lot of people weren't. I just found that podcast interesting. Uh, check it out. That's uh, the Law Abiding Biker podcast by Ryan Erlocker and his crew. Good stuff. Just thought I'd mention that because in the last podcast we were talking about Indian. Again, I don't hate the company. I want to hate them, but you know what? They're a great company. They they make a good motorcycle, I will say. Um, it's They're just not all for me. Would I own a Challenger? Shit, yeah. I'd love to own the bike if I could afford it, you know? But, you know, some people are saying, well, Harley's so expensive. Well, look at the cost of Indian. You know what I'm saying? Um, do the right comparisons is all I'm saying. Do your right research. I'd like to see a third American motorcycle company come out, um, which leads me to the last subject, which I'm going to leave for last. I uh, I want to mention also that it was quite interesting to see. I, you know, I read this article on, uh, you know, moving on to the next topic. I mentioned the the V8, and is it going to die? Well, I've got an interesting article here that came up um, as I was scrolling through some articles looking for content for the motorcycle show. Well, for the podcast, right? I, wanna, I, I, I keep saying motorcycle show, but this is not just a motorcycle show. I mean, the saying of the show is motorcycles and more. So... This show is going to fixate on the and more part, right? Because I'm going to talk about anything. This is just a general talk show platform for me. Um, I just so happen to love motorcycles. So, from this is reported from Fox News, and it's titled, this is, was published on November 23rd, 2021. Um, you could, you know, check along on foxnews.com. But it's titled, Dodge Hellcat V8 to Die in 2023. Due to government fines. 
a new monster motor is making way for electricity. So, the Hellcat, Dodge's demonic supercharged V8 engine, and the Challenger and Charger models that feature it will end production in 2023. That's next year, because we're in 2021, 2022. Okay, never mind. Two years from now. The brand's boss has confirmed. I will have this car, this platform, this powertrain, as we know, in production through the end of 2023. There's two more years to buy a Hellcat, and then it's history. Dodge CEO Tim Kaniskis, I hope I spoke. Said that right. Told Fox News Motor Authority. The Monster Motor debuted in 2015 and the Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat with a 707 horsepower engine and had since been offered in versions with up to an 808 horsepower running on street gasoline. Dodge has already discontinued the limited edition Durango SRT Hellcat due to increasingly strict federal emissions and rules. Kaniskis cited, these regulations will be the reasons why these engines will be retired. You can still meet emissions with these cars. You're going to pay a lot of complicated fines, of compliance fines, along with being a drag on the automaker's fleet of fuel, excuse me, fuel economy buyers. So, that sucks. Because the Hellcat, um, yeah, this was a hell of a freaking vehicle and an engine. It goes on to say that the Hellcat is going out with a bang, however. Dodge last week announced that the new Challenger and Charger SRT Hellcat Red-Eye jailbreak models with 807 horsepower Hellcats that can be configured with a mirrored colors with mirrored color trim and appearance accessory combinations that will potentially make each one entirely unique. Dodge isn't done with muscle, however. It's just being offered a different kind in the future. Well, you know what? Uh, Nothing says muscle car to me than a V8 engine. I know you got a lot of tree huggers out there that say, you fuel-consuming pigs, you bastards, why do you need such a car? Listen. I'm sure they could make these things with decent emissions. It's just the strict emission standards that are killing it. Uh, Let me see here. We got some comments here. Let's read the comments on this. Someone goes here to say, electric vehicles are far more harmful to the environment overall than gasoline vehicles. 
People don't think about the overall pollution and damage to the environment creating these electric vehicles cause. They only see the end result, a vehicle with zero emissions, mining the metal for these electric vehicles. Come on. My computer is acting up. All right, I'm trying to get to read the comments, and it's not allowing me to. All right. Um, it's not about the environment, another person says. If it was, the self-appointed elite would no longer fly around the world in private jets. Going green is about fueling trillions to China. About funneling trillions to China. <sighs> well, all right, this is getting way too political and crazy for me, but, you know, I agree. People think electric vehicles are going to be the wave of the future, and I've said this a few podcasts ago when we were talking about the electric motorcycles. It just chaps my ass when people see battery-operated vehicles and think that's the future. First off, if you know about batteries, you know how much pollution it creates to make a single battery. Okay, a car battery. That's one. Two, the disposal of these batteries. Not every component is recyclable. The, you know, a lot of it is just waste that goes into a landfill. Um, you're not harming so much the the environment by making electric vehicles but electric vehicles are not the thing of tomorrow they're a temporary today that's what it is it's something temporary it's something to take your attention away from the electric combustion engine that runs on gasoline okay make no mistake the government is vested in oil and they will continue to make the internal combustion engine for a good long time. There is no one above the government that is mandating that they must eliminate all internal combustion engines being fueled by gasoline. There isn't. So make no mistake, the engines will still be around. You can go ahead and ride your Prius ride your uh what's the other one tesla good for you if you think you're helping the environment kudos but you're not sorry do your research just thought i'd mention that it was an interesting little article so which brings me up to my main topic main and final topic um, so we've been hearing on the news for a long period of time, especially now with the holidays coming and shopping, people running to Amazon.com, people running to stores and Black Friday deals, etc. There's a lot of shit happening out there. And what's 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 not happening is that these shelves are not being stocked quick enough. And a lot of people are misunderstanding the shortages are not because there are not enough of. It's supply and demand forward slash COVID forward slash the government uh, forward slash, okay? 
and I'm going to break it down for you, at least as best that I researched. Feel free to chime in at the Cycle Shack Podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook at the Cycle Shack Podcast. But basically, there's a shipping disruption. Okay? And the bottom line is, is that COVID-19 created a huge backup in products. There's restrictions on factory workers that can work together at one time. There's restrictions on everything. The pandemic era caused a lot of truck drivers who take these products from coast to coast, north to south, to either retire A lot of them retired, passed on, meaning from COVID, or just decided to throw in the towel. You know, okay, retired. uh, uh, Retired because they're too old for this shit and they didn't want to deal with it. Um, They got out of it because of the pandemic and had to find other means of work and never went back. Or they just died off because of COVID. It was estimated this month that over 85,000 commercial licenses were lost. That's truck drivers gone to any one of those three, which is affecting transport. 85,000 drivers is a lot of drivers, okay? The next thing is, is that there are not a lot of today's generation saying, I'm going to go get my commercial license and drive a truck. It is an important job. Make no mistake about it. You can transport by train, but there's nothing like tractor trailers on the road. They are the lifeblood of this economy. One of the lifebloods. They are the lifeblood of how this country thrives. Everything that gets to your supermarket shelf, that gets to your Walmart, that gets to your AutoZone, that gets to your Harley-Davidson dealership, it's all done by the American truck driver. And I say American truck drivers because he's driving those big wheels on American soil. And that area of logistics is failing right now. So that's one part of it. Because logistically we don't have the drivers to transport these goods off the docks that these products are being unloaded from is what's causing this main backup. Right now, you can go on bbc.com and check out an article by uh, Jack Goodman. Dated October 16th, 2021. Now, I know that's a a little over a month back, but it's still happening. It's been happening for a while. And you can see a satellite image of the Port of Los Angeles Count how many long white dashes you see in that water. Each white dash on that satellite image represents a tanker ship that's anchored out there waiting to be called in to the Port of Los Angeles to offload thousands of tankers of cargo. Containers of cargo, rather. Everything is on these tanker ships. These cargo ships. These cargo ships are the truck drivers of the ocean. 
COVID has affected them as well. But they're still bringing product over. It's just the port of Los Angeles doesn't have, one, enough dock workers. Two, space to offload this shit and keep it on the docks so that the freight can jump on the back of a truck and transport it across the country to where it has to go to a shelf because there are not enough truck drivers out there. So it's a whole trifecta of garbage going on there. So every ship is sitting out there waiting, burning fuel. They've got to be refueled out on the sea, on the, uh, you know, 40 miles off the coast of Los Angeles. 20 miles off the coast. Some tanker ships have capsized. For whatever reason, I don't know, but some of them have sank. With hundreds of, of, of millions of, of dollars in product thrown into the ocean because it collapsed. But most importantly, there are foods that are frozen on these tankers. And if they can't get the port, they may have problems. There are products that you are buying and waiting for on these ships. If you've noticed, at least here in New York State, I'm in upstate New York. And you know what? I used to be able, pre-pandemic, I used to be able to go to any supermarket at any type of the time of the day. And the supermarket shelves were pretty much well stocked. Today, not only has the price of everything gone up, but if you don't get out there and go shopping early in the morning, hence the term, the early bird gets the worm, you ain't finding shit on the supermarket shelves. Now, while I'm embellishing on this a little bit, it's slightly true. I don't mean that the supermarket shelves are completely empty, but what I'm saying is you're more than likely going to not find what you need and are looking for in the PM hours. I used to be one that, hey, on the way home from work, hey, could you pick up a pack of meat and a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread and some peanut butter? Sure, no problem. The bread you may normally get is going to be empty. You know, and I'm not talking about the water that was not missing from the shelves, the toilet paper that was missing from the shelves during the pandemic. That was sheer stupidity. That was people just stockpiling. That That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the supermarket shelves. Yes, everything's being produced, but it's sitting on a ship that can't come to port. That's the bottom line. That's what's happening. This is what's going on. So I'm going to go ahead and read some of this. And it says, shipping disruption. Why are so many... Waiting to get into the U.S. Dozens of container ships have been waiting to unload their goods in American ports. Supply chains are congested. In California, there have been a record-breaking queues of container ships outside major ports. I want to go on to say that the port of Los Angeles is 50% of all product that comes into the United States. Because it's such a huge port. You have the port of New York. You got the port of Hoboken. You got Baltimore. Um, you got the port of Miami. But none of them bring in as much product as the port of Los Angeles. That's 50% of everything that comes into this country. 
we are facing unprecedented an unprecedented cargo surge at the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles due to made due to the major global pandemic production shifts and a decades old supply and change challenge. Now the supply and change thing has been around for for uh, supply and demand thing has been around for for years. But it wasn't that bad. So what's causing the jams? How bad is the congestion? The satellite imagery over the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach show a swarm of idle ships waiting to offload their cargo. These container ships transporting goods, just about everything you can imagine, from toys to tennis rackets, from Asia across the Pacific to the western coast of the United States. Computer chips. Okay? That's a big thing. So how does this tie into motorcycles, you say? Wiring harnesses that come from Asia. Brembo brakes. Brake calipers that come from Italy. Brake pads that come from across the ocean. Okay? Parts that come for the electronics that's equipped on most Harley-Davidson's come from overseas. While Harley-Davidson is an American company, it is assembled in the U.S., most of it. A lot of the little products are purchased, especially the electronics, the electronics in China or Japan, which has to come via tanker ship. Everything built in a computer of a vehicle, hard drives, chips, uh, memory, for any American or foreign vehicle that's made here or brought here. It's all on a ship. Not to mention vehicles. You go to Mitsubishi, Suzuki dealers. There's a limited, especially here in New York, there is a limited quantity of vehicles on the floor. They want used vehicles. The used market is booming. Why? Because they're buying vehicles back from people at one price and gouging the price and selling them because it's product that they have here already. They are just recycling, redistributing a product because the new products are limited in quantity. Hey, two days ago, I went to Mitsubishi to look at a vehicle for my wife who's interested in purchasing a vehicle. And we entertained going to Mitsubishi, which I'm, I'm an American guy. I'm a Chevy Ford, although I've been partial to Chevy lately. Um, we entertained going to Mitsubishi. You know how many 2022s they had on the lot? How many 2022 SUVs we looked at? Five. Five 2022 SUVs. And these are the Mitsubishi Outlanders. That's all they had. Why? Because the rest were stuck on a container ship that couldn't get to port. That's what's happening, guys. That's happening to Chevy. That's happening to Ford. I mean, the stuff's made here, but the shit that has to be put on the assembly line to give you a finished product is not getting here fast enough, like the speakers, the audio equipment, the computer chips for the computer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing's happening with Harley-Davidson. I got a call from uh, O'Toole's Harley-Davidson maybe three weeks ago. Hey, Mr. Rodriguez, you still have your 2023 
Uh, I'm sorry, 2023. Shit, I'm way ahead of myself. You still have your 2016 Ultra Limited? Yeah, sure. Hey, we got a 2020 Ultra Limited stock. Thinking, thinking about upgrading? So they're trying to take my used 2016 and putting me into a newer used 2020. Why? Because that's what they have to do to survive. They're taking the used market and thriving with it because brand new is disrupted and they are gouging the shit out of these prices. Everything is going up. Everything is way above MSRP. Way above. That's what this is causing. These container ships transporting goods with just about everything you can imagine. Again, I go on to read from toys to tennis rackets from Asia across the Pacific Ocean to the western coast of the United States. Marine traffic, a ship tracking website, counted more than 50 container ships outside the Long Beach, Los Angeles port on October 13th. The backlogging reached a record in September. These two ports can handle the bulk of cargo coming from China. Oh, these two ports handle the bulk of cargo coming from China. So once the congestion starts, it can be it can quickly get worse, says Janet Porter, chair of the Lloyd's List editorial board, whatever that is. But the whole shipping container cycle has slowed down. You have ships waiting days, even a couple of weeks, to offload their cargo. It says here, it goes on to say that over about 25% more cargo was shipped from Asia to the U.S. in the first eight months of 2021 compared with the same period in 2019 pre-pandemic. 25%. According to the Container Trade Statistics, the volumes have largely remained the same between Asia and Europe. On the eastern coastline, there have also been queues of ships outside Savannah, the Savannah, Georgia port. August was the second busiest month ever. So Americans have been buying more stuff. Yes. We have. Consumer goods is in demand at overall a 22% higher rate than with pre-pandemic levels. That's crazy. People are home shopping more. It's amazing how this happens. And it could get worse if it doesn't get better fast. That's all I got to say about that. As Mr. Forrest Gump once said. But, uh, yeah, it's just crazy to see how, you know, this shit just happens and, and, and the way things go like that. And uh, I don't know, man. This holiday season is going to be a funky one. So when you order Amazon, order with enough time, man, or whatever you're going to mail order. Because if it's coming from overseas, whoo, get ready. If you don't order it right now, it might not come for Christmas. The Cycle Shack Podcast at gmail.com. Check out the Facebook page at the Cycle Shack Podcast. I'm Ivan Rodriguez. I appreciate you. Hey, I got a music list of music that I jammed with before the podcast. So check it out on the show notes. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. This is 
I'm Ivan Rodriguez. This is the Cycle Shack Podcast. Keep them two wheels down. Catch you in the next one, folks. Later.